Well, good morning to each of you. Welcome to this part of the service. It's good. To, it was a blessing to be here already this morning. And uh, I'd say what a better way to start a week than to first meet together and uh, rejoice for what God has done for us. So this morning you can turn to uh, Psalm 1. That's where I'm taking my message from. Uh, very familiar passage, but I believe there's a lot in it that we can uh, glean from. Originally, it was I was scheduled to have a council message last Sunday, and Mike asked me to switch because of his plans. And this is kind of what I had for council message, but I decided to go ahead with it anyway for today. So the title of the message is success. Um, it's not something I would have picked on my own, I don't think. But one of my study Bibles uh, used this heading for this uh, for Psalm one, and it took me a little bit to put it together, and if. You just um, as we follow through this, uh, at the end I have uh, something out of the study Bible that really tied everything together um, for success. I mean, we all we all like to be successful um, in our relationships, uh, our careers, our spiritual life, our marriages. Uh, it's good. We like to be successful, and. Really, there's only one way to go about being successful, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Psalm 1, I believe, for most of us, we probably memorized it at some point in our life, maybe at school. I believe that's where I memorized it. And this morning, I'm going to do something a little different. We're going to go through it together. We'll read together one verse at a time, and then I'll... Uh, explain the verse, and then we'll move on to the next one. So at this time, let's recite together the, the first verse of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Okay, for the first verse I have, what the righteous man does not do. The first phrase there is blessed or blessed is the man. I take that little word there, blessed. Um, in the original Hebrew would have been kind of the idea of uh, happiness or contentment. Uh, one other source said fortunate or prosperous and favored by God. I really like the last one there is favored by God. Um, but happiness in our world today is very selfish. Uh, I think of what John said in his epistle, where he mentions the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Uh, I think we see that all around us. And just people pursuing that, and they are no happier. One thing I thought of when I came across this word happiness. How many of you remember when Pennsylvania changed their slogan? 
I, I don't remember when it was, but it used to be, you've got a friend in Pennsylvania. How many of you remember that? Quite a few. I'm, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good slogan, I believe. Um, very unselfish. How many of you know what it is today? Dorcas, what is it? Pursue your happiness. Very selfish. I just had to think of that as I was going down through this. I remember when it changed. I was still in school, I believe. But I remember thinking, I like the old one a lot better. You've got a friend in Pennsylvania. Uh, versus pursue your happiness. And I believe there's something in the Constitution, maybe, about the pursuit of happiness. I Not 100%. I didn't look into that. But really, there is, there is only one source that can provide true happiness for us, and that is uh, through, through uh, believing in God and following his commandments. That is where we will be blessed, we will be content and happy. True happiness comes from living our life in light of what God has done for us. So the first phrase, blessed is the man. I also like to bring out... Uh, Man, there is that is an invitation for anyone. Anyone can attain this blessed state. This is not reserved for a specific group of people. So moving on to uh, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And those phrases fascinated me because you notice a progression. Um, If someone is going down the path of sin, they're walking in the counsel of the ungodly. They follow the ungodly's advice. And then they walk with, uh, they stand in the path of sinners. They're, they're congregated with them. And finally, they're sitting with them. They're, they, be, they belong with them. And one, one source brought out the walk, stand, and sit um, you can put it this way, it's think, behave, and belong. You notice the progression there of sin. So the man is blessed because he's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. The righteous man will discern ungodly advice from others or even himself. We can even... Uh, cook up our own ungodly advice. We need to be able to discern that so we do not walk in that advice. The righteous man will hold... We have so much coming at us today. The, the, the age of information is it's just boggling at times. Um, and we can have advice coming at us from every direction, but we need to hold that advice up to the Word of God and be able to discern uh, what is godly counsel. So he's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Next we have standing in the way of sinners. He's not, he's not taking that way. Uh, he takes the path less traveled. And as I think of that, um, the path less traveled, it's usually not the easy way. Uh, Jesus talked about that in Matthew 
Matthew 7, 13, and 14, I have that written down here in the Amplified Version, where Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads to the way, that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are a few who find it. So this, this righteous man is taking the, the road less traveled, and we see that all around us today. It's just so easy to, I had to think of it as hiking. Um, most times you take a rugged, steep trail, you'll, you'll end up at something way more beautiful than something you can just coast along on, usually. Next we have, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You will not find the godly man there. The righteous man will not disdain the people of God or the things of God. In fact, he will be open about his relationship with God uh, to those around him. So you will not find him there. And as I look at this progression of uh, sin, walk, stand, and sit, I had to think of that. I, I reversed it in my mind. Um, this is where Christ found me. He found me sitting in my sins. He stretched out his hand and said, rise above your shortcomings. Stand and walk in newness of life because of what I have done for you. I just praise God for that this morning that we do not have to uh, stay sitting there. Okay, let's do verse 2 together. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Okay, so we had what the righteous man does not do. Now we have what the righteous man will do. Has that little word but in there, and it, it totally changes things around. Here is what he is going to be doing. First one there is delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And that word delight means pleasure or excitement. And he has he has excitement for God's law. And that blessed me as I as I read that. But it also challenged me. Do I get excited about God's word? Do I get excited about devotions? Um, yeah. It's definitely a challenge for me. I had to think, what brings me joy? Um, there's so much out there that we can call joy, brings me joy. But really, how often do I get excited about reading God's Word? Um, it challenged me because so often I'll have my devotions and move on with life. I mean, it can be 5, 10, 15 minutes. And it just challenged me. Do I truly hunger for God's word? Measure your delight for God's word by how much you hunger for it. And that really challenged me. How often am I excited to pick up my Bible and start reading? 
The next phrase, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That word meditate, the definition for that is to ponder, muse, or contemplate. There was one source, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, that ran into uh, a person that said he read the Bible 22 times on his knees. Through, he read through the whole Bible 22 times on his knees, and he still didn't get much out of it. And Charles Spurgeon just said maybe if he was sitting in his easy chair, he would have got a whole lot more out of it. And I just thought that was good. Um, I believe it's important to find a comfortable place to sit with our Bible and just read it and soak in what, what, what we're seeing. Like I mentioned, too often for me, I tend to have my devotions in the morning before I go to work. And so I kind of have a deadline. And I don't know that that's always good. Um, so often I have said with my accountability group, um, I have my devotions, but am I devoted? It's, it's, it's a challenge for me. Do, do I truly meditate on God's word? Uh, meditation uh, in our society, I believe, is largely ignoring God. Some sources of, of meditation actually teach you to empty your mind. You start looking into meditation, uh, it gets really weird really fast, in my opinion. Um, so you start emptying your mind in meditation, you're going to have to fill it with something. So meditating here in verse 2, I believe, is actually filling our mind with God's word. So while meditation in our culture is largely ignoring God and trying to empty their minds, uh, what we need to be doing is filling our minds with God's word. We live in a busy world. Uh, we're always going. And it takes intentionality to sit down with God's word and truly soak it in and meditate on it. I believe med meditation is important. Uh, meditation in God's word and making quiet time for God's word is essential to our spiritual well-being. I just had to think of our theme song uh, this morning as we sang it. The first verse there says, Be still and know that I am God. It's going to be hard to uh, be still if we're trying to have our devotions before it's time to hurry off to work and yeah, again, it just challenged me to consider how I, how I have my devotions, where I have them. And I believe it's important to uh, set aside quiet time for God's word. Last part of that phrase says, And in his law doth he meditate day and night. So really, there's only two times that we need to be thinking about God and his word, and that's day and night. I think that covers pretty much everything.
I don't know how, how many of you remember Brother Roy's comment uh, one night at revivals. He said, he, if the only time you think about God is during your devotions and the rest of the day, you kind of forget about it. He said he would question your relationship with God. And so that, that challenged me as well. How often are we thinking about God and what we read that morning? I confess there's times where I go throughout the day and I forget what I read that morning. Uh, and I, my desire to um, do better at my devotional life. Okay, moving on to verse 3, all together. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay, in light of verse 1 and 2. Verse 1, what the righteous man does not do. Verse 2, what the righteous man does do. Verse 3 is how he will be blessed because of those things. And maybe this is where the success part comes in a little bit. Okay, so the psalmist here likens this man to a tree. And he uses a simile there, like a tree. Planted by rivers of water. And... I enjoy getting out on the river out here and canoeing some, and you get out to some of those islands and or along the shore. There's a lot of big sycamores and uh, silver maples, I believe. It's the majority of it. Some of those trees, it takes a couple people to go around a tree to this, the the whole tree to um, its circumference is so big. And I had to think of that when I was reading this. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water, there's always water for those trees to take in. And notice it doesn't, it doesn't say it's a body of water, that, like a pond or something, where the water's just sitting there and mostly stagnant. I like how the psalmist has it here as rivers of water. There's always a constant supply, a fresh supply. And I believe that is very needful for us as well. Um, looking into God's Word, we'll always have a fresh supply. God's Word never gets stale. So if we are planted in God's Word, we, sh we will be like this tree planted by the waters. There's always continuous, continuous nourishment it's always fresh. Next phrase, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. So, this tree is going to yield fruit. And I had to think, I believe the world around us, when they see a righteous man, they see this tree, they know what for fruit he should be yielding. The righteous man will produce righteous fruit. Jesus said, by their fruit ye shall know them. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. 
I would just open it up for you to uh, go down through that list. If anyone remembers those, uh, you can go ahead and say it. See if we can get the whole list. Love, joy, joy, peace. peace, long suffering, or patience. And you can turn there too if you need to. Gentleness, that is one. Meekness. Temperance, self-control. So my list here is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those fruits will be evident in the tree that's planted in God's word, planted by the rivers of water. Now the last part of that, uh, in his season. I struggled with that a little bit. I wasn't sure what he meant there by in in his season. Now there are times of discouragement, there are times of failure, um, but we need to be connected to the vine as Jesus said. Uh, we need to stay connected to the vine at all times. And what I came up with for in his season is When the world looking on sees us as a righteous man, a tree planted by the water, and a situation comes up, they are going to know what for fruit we should be bringing forth. He knows, we know when an apple tree gives apples. We know when a peach tree gives peaches. And I believe the world around us knows um, what fruit should come forth at certain situations. I believe that is what... Uh, God is expecting of us as well. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay, so th this tree that's planted by the river of water obviously is re receiving nourishment at all times, and during drought it will not be faced with uh, shriveling leaves. Its leaf will not wither. Because remember where he is rooted. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We all like how that sounds. I believe we all like to prosper. We, we, in each of our minds, we have um, a picture of what prosperity looks like, I believe. And it's not so much uh, that everything this, this tree touches turns to gold. I don't believe that's what the psalmist is talking about. Uh, but much rather, I believe that he is saying, which, whatever situation God brings you to, it's for your good, and you're going to come out the other side of that uh, a better person. You will prosper because of what God has brought into your life. God will bring good out of everything, even in tough circumstances. Okay, we are moving on uh, 
the psalmist shifts gears here from the righteous to the ungodly. Let's recite verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Okay, he focuses on the exact opposite of the righteous man. And this is the ungodly man. And he compares it to chaff. Now, chaff, like we heard this morning, harvest is in full swing all around us. So you see a combine going down the field. It's storing the grain in the hopper up top, and it's spitting out the junk out the back, the chaff. And in Bible times, they would take their harvest. Um, they would beat out the kernels of grain from the stalk, and then they would use the method of winnowing, I believe is what they would have called it, where they would take a shovel full of grain and throw it up in the air on a windy day. The kernel would drop and the chaff or the shell around the kernel would blow away in the wind. And the psalmist here is saying that's how the ungodly are. There, there is no, uh, there's no root, there's no anchor, there's nothing to hold them there unlike the tree that we read about in verse 3. So the righteous man is rooted in God's word, and he is drinking from it night and day, and his roots are going down deep. And storms come along, and he's going to stay planted where, where he is. But the chaff, is as soon as adversity comes the chaff is gone because of what he delighted himself in and that was probably uh, selfishness living for himself there is no root there okay moving on to verse 5 therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous Okay, he's saying because the ungodly lived in disobedience to God, here is, here is the result of that. Because they are blown away as soon as storms come and they are not rooted in the word of God, he says they will not stand in judgment. There's no weight there. When, when God judges the righteous and the ungodly, the ungodly have no weight. They will not stand up to God's judgment. Remember the story in uh, Daniel where the handwriting on the wall uh, came up there when Belshazzar was throwing his uh, feast, throwing his party, and he, Daniel was eventually called in to translate this writing. And Daniel interpreted and he said, you are weighed in the balance and found wanting. That is the result of the ungodly. They will not stand up. They will not hold up to God's judgment. The next phrase says, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And this has, in my studies, I've found that this has uh, this is present and this is future of sinners in the congregation of 
the righteous. You won't find them there. So the present is a person who continues in sin. They insist in just staying where they're at um, in their sins. They will feel a a sense that they do not belong in the congregation of the righteous if they insist in staying there. So that is the present. And the future is there will be, they will not be present in, in heaven. You will not find the unrighteous there. Okay, let's say verse 6 together. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay, the psalmist kind of wraps things up here and just ties everything together. He says the Lord, he, he knows the way. Um, and I believe the Hebrew, I looked it up. It says the Lord is knowing the way of the righteous. He knows what we're going through. He knows where we're at in, his, in our relationship with him. And he, he knows what he has in stores for those who are, remain faithful to him. And he says, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There's, there's nothing at the end of the road for, for those who reject God. No blessing. So I liked how my uh, study Bible wrapped things up here, the one that titled this passage as success. And I'm just going to read that. Being blessed or successful is not a a once-in-a-lifetime dramatic event, but rather a lifetime of choosing to follow God and His commandments. Success happens when we move from grudging acceptance to enthusiastic delight in absorbing and then following God's laws and mandates. Nothing provides more resources No motivational speakers will set us on a better course. No degrees will give us more of a life-changing education. I just liked how that tied it all together. And I believe it came up in Sunday school that deciding to follow God and His commandments, it's not a -a once-in-a-lifetime deal. It's a continual choosing uh, to follow God and his commandments every day. And I believe it will make it easier to do that if we are in the word, if we are like the tree planted by the rivers of water, if we take the time to meditate in God's, in God's word. I believe we all want to be ex- successful in life. Uh, and that's going to come by our choices that we make every day. Sometimes I believe it's hard for us to realize how our daily choices actually affect us. So as you consider the two differences in Psalm 1 here between the righteous and the ungodly, you can see that choices do matter. And I pray that each one here has chosen God's way and is endeavoring to stay on that path. So, along with that, I'd just like to 
challenge you all, along with myself, to be in God's Word, to meditate on God's Word, and to continue to make choices that honor and glorify Him. Let's pray.